Uh, our scripture reading this evening comes from John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 14. Uh, and this isn't, you know, the storybook reading of the Christmas story. By that I mean it doesn't feature Mary and Joseph. There's no little town of Bethlehem. Uh, we don't hear about the shepherds or the angels, the wise men from afar. Uh, but instead, this Christmas story, if you will, offers us a behind-the-scenes look of what's really going on. Uh, this is kind of one of those pull back the curtain, take a look at Christmas uh, from a cosmic point of view kind of Christmas story. It's the, the story behind the story. And so as we're reading here in John, uh, in this opening part of John's gospel, John chapter 1, uh, he identifies Jesus by calling him the Word. Uh, and in this story behind the story, we realize that Jesus, the Word, uh, is a part of the creation of the world. And he's a part of all of God's work within the world. Uh, and that his coming to earth is the penultimate movement towards the climax of the story of the world. Jesus is coming to earth, the Word being born, a baby, the Creator joining in with creation. Uh, it's too massive of an event for John to just leave in, in everyday terms. And so he takes us into this cosmic world, behind this world, to see what's taking place, and then to invite us into this story of the way in which the world is taking shape in and through the person of Jesus. So we're reading here in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. Now, he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. For the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Children who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. We've seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, as we have heard Your Word, we pray that Your Spirit would continue to speak to us through it. I pray that we would hear and know Your voice pray that my words would honor and glorify you. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so John uh, begins his telling of the Christmas story, not with angels appearing to Mary and Joseph, but with three simple words, in the beginning. In other words, for John, Jesus didn't just start at Christmas. Jesus has always been uh, in the beginning, before there were houses, before there were roads, before there was a Bethlehem, Jesus was with God. In fact, he was the living word of God. 
Creation came into existence in and through him. He was in the beginning, right, before anything else existed. And John is telling us this because he wants us to understand that Jesus is God. Jesus is God in flesh. As our passage declares, the word became flesh and lived among us. I love this verse in the message translation as it says, you know, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It's trying to get us to understand this idea of God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus and and truly being human, living among us, the lives that, that we live, the same things that we go through, Jesus went through. Uh, this is what Christmas is about, the God of the universe coming to earth in the form of a human being, the creator of all things, not just being uh, among creation, but being with creation. Right? Jesus is God in flesh, lived our human life. Right? He walked among the people. Uh, though he was God, he experienced you know, what it is to be hungry, to be thirsty, to be exhausted, uh, to take a nap. Uh, At times, Jesus took a nap. I think that's kind of one of God's signs to us, that it's okay for you to take a nap when you're tired. Jesus did it, so can you. At least I claim that for myself. Uh, Jesus was God, but he allowed himself as God to be insulted, to be teased, to be tormented. He walked on earth for 33 years, and John tells us that even though he had created all of this, And he was here in flesh, in person, that most people didn't recognize him for who he was, for who he is. That's why John's gospel says he was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. Yet in this cosmic behind-the-scenes tale of what's taking place in Christmas, John has another important point that he wants us to grasp. It's not just that Jesus showed up and people didn't know who he was. It's that because Jesus showed up, we have an invitation to become children of God. John says, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. This is the invitation that Christmas offers to us in and through the person of Jesus. Not just that we can be happy about this little baby that was born, that we can celebrate, oh, how cute he is but that we have that opportunity to also become children of God. And no offense to Linus and his reading of Luke chapter 2, but I would say that this is what Christmas is all about. The Word became flesh so that we could become children of God. I mean, when you think about it, being a child of God is a pretty incredible thing. I mean, for one, uh, being a child of God means that God, the creator of everything that exists, wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to walk with you and talk with you throughout your life, that God loves and cares for you enough that he wants to go through each and every part of your life alongside of you. You know, one of the reasons why Christians call God our Father is because it speaks to the intimacy of that kind of relationship, where you can just call him up on the phone and say, hey, you know, here's how my day went. And God listens and says, oh, wow, you know, that's great. Or, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Where we can go and present God with our needs and God will speak back to us as well and offer us insight and wisdom for how we can live and navigate all of the ups and downs of this life. Be, being a child of God, 
becoming a child of God means that God desires that kind of closeness and connection from us. The God who made everything wants to be that near to you. Becoming a child of God is about having a relationship with a father who loves you deeply. I mean, the Bible is filled with all kinds of images of a father who's welcoming children into his presence. Jesus uh, talks about how loving our father is, and he compares him even with, with earthly fathers. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, uh, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? All right, if you as an earthly father know how to ask your wife what she wrapped in the package to give your children for Christmas, how, mu- how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts? Right? If we, who mess up, who make mistakes, who don't get it right, who, who at times can screw things up royally, can at times give a good gift, how much more will your heavenly father, who knows you and loves you deeply, give good things to those who ask him? Right? It's a reminder to us that God longs to bless us in the way that a good father would. And at the same time, he loves you more deeply and powerfully than any earthly parent ever could. So part of what it means to be a child of God is that there's a heavenly father who loves and cares for you deeply. Another thing it means to become a child of God is not only that we have uh, the relationship with God, but that there's also benefits to it as well. In the Bible, it says that those who have been adopted into God's family become co-heirs with Christ. It means that we have an inheritance that can never spoil, fade, or perish. An inheritance that's kept for us in heaven. In John 14, Jesus tells us about uh, a place. He says, I go and prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Uh, If it weren't so, what I've told you, that I'm going to prepare this place for you. Uh, What he's talking about as he says this is kind of this uh, Jewish custom, this Jewish tradition of the father's house. Whenever a new child would be entering into the household, into the family, they would go and they would build on an extra room. Uh, They would build a room onto the house for each child that comes in. So what Jesus is saying to us is, as you enter into this connection and relationship with me, when you believe in my name, when you receive me, you become a child of God and there's a room that's being built, an inheritance that is for you that's in heaven. I kind of get this picture of a heavenly construction crew, right? They're just hard at work. Every time somebody says yes to Jesus as their Savior, yes to Jesus as their Lord, they're just building on, adding another room, room after room after room onto the Father's house. I, I could picture they're probably standing around. Maybe they're taking an OSHA break or something and and they're just wondering, you know, how many, how many children is the father going to adopt now? How many is he going to let in, right? All these rooms being added on, and God, because he can hear everything, uh, responds, and is probably like, well, you know, as, as many as I can, <laughs> as many as will receive my only begotten son, Jesus. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity for us to become children of God to receive that inheritance that is for Christ as our own. But this idea of becoming children of God also illustrates another important thing, and that's that we have to become a child of God. Because in our natural state, we aren't just children of God. As we enter into this world, we're not already 
all God's children. Because if you think about it, right, if Jesus came so that we could become children of God, it means that we aren't already. Right? That's not our natural state. Instead, what the Bible says is in Ephesians 2, chapter 3, that we were by nature children of wrath. Uh, who we are as we enter into this world as children of wrath, it means that what characterized our existence is to be distant from, to be absent from God. That sin is what characterizes who we are so much that we are subject to God's wrath, to live, as John's gospel says, in darkness. Because of our sin, because of our rejection of God's ways, our inheritance and our natural state as children of wrath would be hell. This is why Christmas is such good news. This little baby boy Jesus born to born of Mary and to Joseph, you know, that was laid in that manger in the little town of Bethlehem, the one about whom the angels sang this baby Jesus, the word that became flesh, was born to deliver us from our sin. And, and becoming human, he makes a way for us to be forgiven. For us to be healed, he makes a way for us to become God's children. John's gospel says, all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. We're born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but are born of God. It's a new birth that he's talking about when we believe in Jesus and what he did for us. When he gave up his life on the cross, when he rose from the dead, when we say, you know what, I I believe this story to be true. And and it's true because it means my forgiveness. It means my salvation. It means my hope of heaven. It means that I can become a children of God when we believe in his name. Then we can become children of God, born again, born anew. He says, whenever we receive him, when we receive who Jesus is and what he offers to us, when we receive him fully without reservation, whenever we receive that gift of salvation and understand that he's the one who saves us and not ourselves, when we receive the gift of his counsel and we follow in his will and his ways and realize that his ways are better than ours, when we receive him as our king, the one who has come to show us the way, to guide our steps, to guide us in truth, and when we become children of God, receiving Jesus means that we take him for who he is. We take his life as our own. It means that we come to understand and know that the gift that he brings, that what he offers to us is light and life. And so rather than following our own ways, our own natural state as children of wrath, that leads us into darkness. We follow in the way of Christ that leads us into the way of life. This is the gift of Christmas. This is what it's all about. That God became man so we could become children of God. Jesus is God's breaking into the world, shouting from the mountaintops that God desires for us, invites us to be his children. It's a message that proclaims that God wants you. God loves you and cares for you, and he desires for you to be a part of his family here and now. And forever. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks that you have invited us to be your children, that in and through the person and the work of Jesus, your son, you invite us uh, to know you, 
to experience your forgiveness, to be redeemed and restored and renewed. And we pray, Lord, that you would do that work among us tonight, that you would continue uh, to, to lead and guide us as your children. You would guide us in truth, that you would forgive us for the things that hold us back from living fully for you, that we would know who we are and that we would follow in your ways. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.